Hello, everyone, and welcome to Mission Success Women in Multifamily, the monthly podcast series dedicated to female leaders in the multifamily industry. I am Laura Kaluger, Senior Editor with Multi Housing News, and I'm glad to be your host. This month, I'll be talking to Christy Newtons, Vice President of Investment Management at CP Capital US, about multifamily investment. Is now the right time to invest in multifamily real estate? How are investors acclimating to market uncertainty? Christy is here to answer all these questions and many more. Welcome to Mission Success, Christy. Thank you so much for having me. First, please tell our listeners a bit about your professional path. How did you end up at CP Capital? Sure. So I work on the investment team at CP Capital, mostly covering our target markets on the eastern half of the country. Uh, CP Capital raises opportunistic funds and invests in ground-up development of multifamily rental projects across the U.S. and primarily focus on growth markets and the suburbs. And we invest in joint ventures, providing LP Capital alongside best-in-class developers like Graystar, Wood Partners, Toll Brothers, just to name a few. Um, So getting back to how I got here, uh, (laughs) my my parents both worked in real estate. So my dad's a mechanical engineer who spent much of his career working for large commercial REITs, and my mom worked in property management. So I grew up hearing them talk about work at the dinner table and was really interested in how many different facets and career paths existed within the industry. So when I graduated from college, I decided to take a property management job with Boston Properties in Rusted Town Center, which is a mixed-use development in Northern Virginia. So along with the existing office and retail that I was managing, Boston Properties was also developing additional office and retail right across the street. So I latched right on to the development associate and in-house leasing brokers and shadowed them so I could learn a little bit more about those sides of, of the real estate industry. And after a few years, I decided to go back to school get my MBA at UNC Chapel Hill so I could transition to a career in development, or so I thought that's what I wanted to do. (laughs) Um, I spent my MBA summer internship with Wood Partners, and I realized that while I loved the idea of creating new places for people to live, I didn't really love being limited to one market in one asset class. So um, I also didn't have the patience for taking deals through the very (laughs) grueling entitlement process. So- My second year at UNC, I really switched my focus to real estate, private equity, and investing. And I was lucky enough to have a guest lecturer who worked at CP Capital come in and speak at one of my classes. So I stayed in touch with her. And when I graduated, there happened to be a job opening on the investment team here at CP Capital. And I've now been here for almost 10 years. I know you also worked in commercial property management, overseeing retail and office spaces. To what extent has that experience helped you in multifamily? Sure. So CP Capital, we we really focus on teamwork and we run really flat organizationally. So even though I'm on the investment team, I work really closely with our asset management and construction management teams on a daily basis. So although, like you said, my my previous experience in property management was with office and retail, it still gave me great experience in things like creating and reforecasting operating budgets and understanding what makes strong property management teams and maintenance teams on site at a property. Um, So that's really helpful when I'm working with my asset management team on lease ups or quarterly reforecasts and investor reporting. 
when I was shadowing the development associate at Boston Properties, I also got exposure to things like space planning, budgeting, project management, and all of that is directly applicable to my job now on the investment team. And how does your typical workday look like today? How much is it different from, from what it was before the health crisis? Well, I'd say I spend most of my days on Zoom calls now. So the <laughs> we all difference, do. <laughs> yeah. So the biggest difference is that I forgot how to dial into a conference call. <laughs> um, <laughs> but another big difference is, you know, we sold a lot of our portfolio of completed assets over the last year and a half to really take advantage of the historically high exit pricing. So I'm doing a lot less asset management. Uh, like I mentioned before, you know, working closely with the asset management team, there's just not as much of that that we're doing right now because most of our deals right now are you know, new deals that are, are currently under construction. Um, so aside from that, and also being in the office only one day a week versus five, my day-to-day hasn't changed too much and largely consists of catching up and networking with developers and brokers and my coverage markets, reviewing new equity packages that come in, preparing materials on new investment opportunities to prevent to our investment committee, uh, doing due diligence on deals we're underwriting and ushering approved deals through um, our closing process. And until now, CP Capital has invested in more than 15 billion of US real estate through sponsored funds and separate accounts on behalf of global institutions, family offices, and ultra high net worth individuals. How do you choose your investment partners and the areas or the properties you invest in? Yeah, so I'll, I'll start with our partners. Um, choosing the right development partner is arguably the most important part of our jobs as investors. Right. So while the saying goes that real estate's all about location, 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 CP <laughs> will often joke and say that it's all about sponsor, sponsor location. Um, <laughs> we would rather be in a you know, good location with a great developer than in a prime main and main and main location with a developer that just can't perform. Um, so we have a lot of repeat partners that we've been investing with for many years. And many of them are best-in-class national developers, and and some are more regional in their strength and focus. But every year, we perform annual partner reviews where our investment, asset management, and construction management teams will actually rank each of our current partners on qualities such as construction execution, budgeting, market knowledge, and deal performance. So we'll kind of, we'll we'll look at this as as a whole and, and maybe reshuffle Uh, the deals that are the the partners that we want to really chase um, after deals with. Um, And we're also always looking for new development partners. So a big part of my job is networking and forming relationships in my coverage markets. And I'll often speak to and look at deals with potential new development partners for years before we finally find one that works because our risk tolerance is a bit lower when we're looking at investing with a, a new development partner. But once we do find a deal and do one with a new partner, the goal is always to continue doing repeat net, repeat business. Mm-hmm. Uh, with, that makes with sense. A, with a new development partner, we'll, we'll do background checks. We'll meet the development lead, the construction team. If there's in-house property management, we'll make sure we meet those teams. And we'll also check the developer's references. So we'll, we'll get on a call with, with two to three prior partners that have worked with that developer and we'll ask about communication, how the developer performs, 
and behaves when they're faced with challenges on a project. And we'll ask a lot about the character and the culture of the team, because a really big thing for us is, you know, open communication, transparency, and just making sure there's, you know, minimal surprises when we're working on a deal together. Um, as far as how we choose locations, uh, we do have a list of primary and secondary target markets, and we're constantly reading industry and market reports to stay current on the performance and the fundamentals of each of those markets. And as we see economic or geographic trends shifting, we'll, we'll reevaluate our target market list and our priority rankings of our target markets. And the same goes for submarkets within each of those target markets. Um, we'll, for example, during COVID, um, the, the work from home and just continued lack of affordability of rental housing really fast-tracked a move to further out suburban markets for many renters in, in several of our target markets. So we recently closed several deals in suburban locations that we might not have even considered five years ago, but they showed extremely strong job growth, rent growth, and exit pricing. So they really rose to the top of our list as far as submarkets within a specific target market. And to assess the potential for investment of a certain market, I'm sure you're using information from multifamily data providers. What role does data analysis play in the decision-making process today? Yeah, that's, that's right. We use third-party market reports and data really heavily in our underwriting of each deal. And we look at it at both the market and the submarket level. So we'll look closely at things like job growth, supply, absorption, rent growth, vacancy, even getting down to you know, median household income and, and home affordability in the area. And we'll look at both recent historical data for each of those metrics, as well mm -hmm. as the three to five year projected data for each of those. And the, especially the projected data really helps inform our underwriting assumptions for things like you know, the starting rents, leasing velocity, rent growth, vacancy, a lot of the big things that really drive our underwriting model. And the multifamily sector's outperformance continues to attract new attention from investors, particularly as other segments of, of commercial real estate, such as office, are, are still plagued by uncertainty. But are all multifamily investors optimistic? Are there any investors who are concerned about the sector's viability in the long term? Yeah, like you just mentioned, in times where there is some uncertainty, I'd say multifamily investors are probably the most optimistic of all real estate asset classes. Um, multifamily has historically been the most resilient and least volatile asset class. And it's also offered some of the best risk-adjusted returns through you know, upswings and downturns in um, the economic market. So because housing is a fundamental need, right? So right. when homes become less affordable to buy due to either you know, price appreciation or higher interest rates, which we're seeing both of right now, people still need a place to live. So during economic downturns, people who were already renters remain renters and others who maybe owned a home may have to return to being renters. So whether someone has less money in savings and can't afford a down payment, or they're worried about losing their jobs, or they're uncertain maybe how long they'll live somewhere, they often have to turn to renting. Um, but I'd say the one space in multifamily that I would be concerned about right now is, is just the you know, really super highest end luxury product. 
Mm -hmm. There's a limit to how many people can afford those rents at any given time. So your renter pool is limited, even when the economy is strong. And then in a downturn, you lose some of those renters as they're forced to move to more affordable apartments. And then I'd say just as far as longer term concerns, probably one of the biggest within multifamily, I'd say is rent control and the threat of that expanding. And similarly, some markets that have, you know, a lot of eviction limitations are also a bit concerning. Mm -hmm. Also, with higher costs eating away at potential returns, how can investors set themselves up for maximizing profits? What is your advice? As all costs rise across all classes of multifamily, it's really important to look for higher yielding deals that have room to absorb some level of additional cost increases and or lower rents. So at CP Capital, we've always focused on lower basis suburban multifamily developments that typically provide you know, relatively higher yields than some of the more core assets and, and you know, the high rises and mid rises. We really focus on lower basis garden deals. So we also avoid underwriting rents and exit prices that are at the top of the rent and sale comp set. So that way we have a lot of room to outperform and kind of blow past those comps that are at the top of the comp set, but we also create a little um, downside protection for ourselves. Um, the, the current environment also makes it even more important to partner with really strong experienced development partners, the ones that have you know, market knowledge, balance sheets, and, and really strong development and construction teams that can execute successfully if, if mm-hmm. we, they, the market is faced with, with some challenges. And are you already seeing the first, I mean, I mean the uh, first impact of, of the rising interest rates and the high inflation on multifamily? How are investors acclimating to, to this uncertainty in the market? Yeah, so the higher interest rates and inflation definitely will make it harder for, for some deals to get done. Again, developers that don't have a strong track record or the right balance sheet might find it hard to get loans that are sized at the leverage that they want. Uh, Deals that rely on on aggressive underwriting assumptions might have a hard time finding equity investors. Um, And some expensive and lower growth markets are already starting to see cap rates expand a little bit and, and exit pricing come down. But you know, there's still a huge housing shortfall nationwide and multifamily fundamentals remain strong. And as I mentioned earlier, those fundamentals tend to remain stable even in the face of a recession or continued economic uncertainty. So that should keep investors interested in the multifamily space and continuing to commit capital to it, both of which in turn should help offset Um, some worries of any major cap rate expansion, because historically we've seen more than interest rates, the the capital flow into a space is really what keeps cap rates down. Um, And it's also important to note that while while we are starting to see some discounted pricing um, in the exit pricing in certain markets, the discounts are to historically high pricing. So the exit values still have significant amount of, of embedded profit in them. And the market volatility is creating opportunities for well-capitalized investors, as you said. Where are these investors? Which markets do they prefer? Yeah, so in, in my world, um, just anecdotally, I have seen some instances where more inexperienced developers 
are flipping land that they control to better capitalized and more experienced developers who have the ability to you know, both secure entitlements quicker, control costs, and also secure debt and equity investors. Um, something else I've noticed recently is there's been a little bit of an increase in new development opportunities that I've seen coming across my desk. Uh, this could indicate that some of our development partners are seeing a little bit less interest from their investors than they did over the past year and a half when everyone was scrambling to enter the <laughs> multifamily development space. Um, so there might be a little bit pullback from that, but I, I suspect that you know the kind of evergreen multifamily investors are still very interested and active. It might just be some groups who didn't do multifamily development before that entered the space, maybe they're pulling back a little bit. Um, but I'd say as far as some opportunities for well-capitalized investors, obviously all cash buyers can try to benefit from the higher interest rate environment uh, by taking advantage of some of these, you know, slight price reductions in some markets, bigger price reductions in others, uh, while also av avoiding paying the higher cost of, of debt service payment. Uh, overall, how do you identify top performing investment markets? Are there any techniques for, for pinpointing pockets of opportunity in the multifamily industry? Sure. I mean, I wish we had a, a you know, a, a magic ball where we could see exactly where to invest, but lacking <laughs> that, um, we tend to focus pretty heavily on supply and demand when we're looking at a market and the specific submarket that a deal is in. Um, we look for markets that have relatively low supply pipelines when compared to the demand that's expected to be generated from strong job growth numbers in the area. So when demand is high and supply is low, that generally translates to strong numbers across other important metrics like rent growth, leasing velocity, occupancy rate, exit pricing. And one last question. Um, what are multifamily investors' expectations going forward this year? Are they bracing for a recession? You know, I think maybe some are worried about a recession, but again, multifamily is, it, it performs the best during um, a recession and also is considered a bit of an inflation hedge. So while those things are happening, I expect you know, multifamily fundamentals to remain strong, mostly driven by a continued housing shortage nationwide and continued high demand for, for rental housing. So I think investors will focus on deals, again, with strong developer partners in growth markets that have good supply demand ratios. And we might, we probably will start to see markets that have aggressive supply pipelines starting to see a little bit of softness in them. Um, mm -hmm. So again, mentioned this a little bit earlier, but metrics like rent growth, occupancy, and sales transaction volume, exit pricing, they are likely to come down a bit. It's really important to just remember that each of these metrics reached historic peaks over the past year and a half. So even if they, or when they pull back, they'll still remain well above historic norms. So I think multifamily investment is going to remain strong for the rest of the year. Um, and even if we do go into a recession, Again, I, I expect it to, to well outperform any other asset class in real estate. I guess we'll see. Thank you, Christy, for sharing your views and insights with, with our listeners. You're welcome. Happy to be here. And thank you for inviting me. Thank you, everyone, for listening. And don't forget to check multihousingnews.com for the latest news, trend stories, and podcasts. <laughs>